This episode of the SaaS Revolution Show is sponsored by Oyster. Oyster is the global HR platform that makes it easy to employ people remotely in other countries. It's purpose-built for globally distributed organizations that want to tap the global talent pool and give all their employees around the world a great employment experience. Oyster lets you hire, pay, and give great local benefits in over 75 countries. To find out more, visit oysterhr.com. It's a long game. Like venture capital is a long game. It takes a long time to make any money out of it. Um, you have a few wins and a lot of burdens on your shoulder on the way, but it's constantly a learning exercise as well. Learning how to be a good partner to the to the companies, learning about sectors, learning the finer points of investing. It's, it's quite a complicated area. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host Alex Thuma and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, Jennifer Vancini, General Partner at Mice Capital. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here and appreciate the opportunity to speak to your listeners. Yeah, no, it's great to uh, great to have you on uh, on the podcast for the, uh, for the first time. Uh, and an early morning call. You're in. Are you in San Francisco or, or somewhere on the West Coast? Yes, the Bay Area. Yeah, West yeah. Coast. Welcome. Hopefully, this will be your uh, your caffeine hit for the uh, for the rest of the day. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll try and make it uh, energetic as possible. So, like, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Jennifer. Uh, who is Jennifer Vancini, for those that don't know? Sure, happy to. So as you mentioned, I'm a general partner at Mighty Capital. Uh, my background is about 25 years in the tech industry after a stint at Pricewaterhouse and more traditional industries. So I, I've worked primarily with startups or in innovation groups with large companies. Um, about 15 years of which were with multinational companies or international companies. I worked for Telefonica Digital based out of London, for example, um, working on their digital group within this massive telco. Um, specific industries where I have deeper expertise include security, mobile, enterprise B2B. Um, I've helped take a company public in Canada, ran the European arm of a, another company, primarily done at a later stage in my career before investing full-time business and corporate development. So doing those blank sheet of paper, strategic deals, uh, making investments, M&A, joint ventures, um, things to help a company move the needle. Um, after, after leaving Telefonica, I decided to invest full-time because I understand with my finance background that you have to be diversified, you have to be professional about it. So I started and managed a family office fund. Um, then on that journey, ended up meeting my co-partners, co-founders at Mighty Capital, we invested together for a while and then decided to start a fund in uh, 2017. How did you come up with the name Mighty Capital? Uh, I'm curious to know. Yeah, so my um, our found our managing partner, her name's Essie Moadi, and she worked with the branding firm. And they kind of I think riffed off the Moadi and like the you know Mighty Capital. So um, just sounds good, makes a punch. Yeah, and we punch higher than our weight. So. <laughs> and, what, and what sort of companies do you invest in? And uh, any any examples of uh, some investments that you've made uh, over the last couple of years? Sure. Our investment thesis is mostly centered on early growth. So not the early seed, but early growth 
companies with product market fit, some traction in the marketplace. Uh, they're raising capital now for the next level of growth. We've done a couple later stage things based on our, our network opportunities, but we're in companies like um, in SaaS Amplitude, uh, Journey Apps, Acern, um, we're in DigitalOcean. We have a couple personalized medicine plays in genomics, um, which is a fascinating area, especially when you merge it with big data opportunities um, to detect diseases, help cure cancer, you know, little things like that. <laughs> You've worked, obviously, with I'd say like a number of uh, large uh, tech companies, and obviously Telefonica is a, a beast of a company uh, yeah. as well. <laughs> What's it like now as a VC investing in and then working with, you know, early stage companies? Yeah, one of the reasons I made the leap is because I like working with early stage companies. Um, I've been advising them, mentoring them. Um, I have some ties to Canada, so I've been working with the, the sector up there, which is quite strong, especially in, in SaaS, actually, and, and deep tech. So I always liked working with the building phase, I guess, and, and those phases of growth. And through my you know, years of experience, I've seen the, the hurdles and the opportunities, and it, it's a mix of an art and a science, right? Like a poker game in some ways. Um, so that's one of the reasons that I, I really enjoyed getting into this. And it's, but it's a long game. Like venture capital is a long game. It takes a long time to make any money out of it. Um, you have a few wins and a lot of burdens on your shoulder on the way, but it's constantly a learning exercise as well. Learning how to be a good partner to the, to the companies, learning about sectors, um, learning the finer points of investing. It's, it's quite a complicated area. Yeah. On that learning, just sort of think, thinking about that. Uh, so are you learning on the job? So you, you started the fund, um, you know, learning uh, you know, how to be a successful VC, as you said, the many complications, many areas of it. Um, I know like some, uh, some VCs, they go to, you know, they do things like the Kaufman Fellows, you know, for like two years, yeah. that sort of thing. I guess what, what I'm trying to think of is for anybody that's listening that might want to become a VC, right? How do, you, how do you learn to become uh, a, a VC? That's a great question because, yes, there are a lot of people that are interested in it. So, yeah, my, my partner is doing the Kaufman Fellows now. Um, you really learn a lot on the job. But having said that, like any other subjects, research it, do your homework, try to learn from the best. Um, there are a couple books out there. But, you know, go to angel events, accelerator events, see the pitches when you're new to it, every pitch sounds great. It's only through hearing 4,000 of them and, and going through the whole process of due diligence to an investment to the next stage that you really start to see the patterns, the opportunities. Um, we have a number of LPs who are LPs precisely because they wanted to learn about venture. Um, they've taken classes in early stage investing. Um, we give some of them the opportunity to do an LP in residence and sit with us for like six weeks to see the process so they can understand like is this something i might be interested in someday or do i want to do more direct investments um so it really is by jumping into the community going to all the the events um to the extent you want to go to the formal educations but there are a lot of unknown unknowns when you first get started and in, in it it's sort of like you look at a bike you think you can ride it until you get on it <laughs> and then the, you are gonna skin your knees a couple times um until you really learn the ropes yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, speaking of riding a bike, I'm trying to get my daughter to ride a bike at the moment. She's uh, ah. she's too scared. She's too she's too scared. I, I don't know if you've got any any secrets or tips. I have a tip. My daughter was conservative about it. Now the little kids start on the things without the pedals yeah. and they go right, you know, to training wheels. Have her try it on grass. 
Try riding the bike on grass. They feel safer and it's slower because of the tire traction. So just a All little right. tip. That's how we got over the hurdle. <laughs> right. we'll, give, we'll give that one a go. So this year, um, uh, as an understatement, has, has been uh, very challenging, very different, obviously, because of the, uh, the pandemic. Um, how has Mighty Capitals and, and your uh, investment process changed in, in the light of what's happening uh, in the world? Yeah, I've been surprised how little it has, if anything, if things have accelerated and gotten extremely busy. Um, we we already worked, I mean, I miss meeting, seeing my partners in person, of course, but we already had a lot of virtual platforms you know, during vir virtual screenings and whatnot. So we just had to ramp that up and use it all the time using Slack and Zoom and Airtable and all the tools. Um, we're definitely on, on Zoom a lot during the day. So that, that kind of leap wasn't as significant, not as significant as it is for like distance learning, for example. Um, that part wasn't hard. Um, we all took a pause for like the first month just to make sure the portfolio companies were healthy. We were fortunate in that most of ours were. They had done follow-on rounds recently. They had enough cash. They very, I was so proud of our CEOs, how quickly they addressed this and realized it was a real crisis. Um, they showed their resilience to if some of them had to cut their burn rate, definitely ratchet down their forecast so that they understood and start looking for those opportunities to maybe pivot or tell a story um, that helped them sell in this market or to squeeze resources and something that just wasn't going to work until we saw the fog, you know, through the fog. Um, so there was that for a while. The deal flow pace has actually picked up quite a bit, um, maybe because a lot of companies needed to make sure they had 12, 18, 24 months cash on their balance sheets um, and raise it when they could. Um, but we've seen some fantastic companies. We've also been able to continue tapping into our network. One of our differentiators is that we have exclusive access to a, a group called Products Account. That's a, a very large network association for product managers and product experts. And so we tap into that for deal flow and we help our portfolio companies into that. And so I think our, our work with that organization has actually accelerated as a way to help companies get more leverage. I, I guess, you know, maybe it hasn't changed as much as one would think because finance investing is a long-term game and it's just, and I've seen two downturns before. So it's just making a couple tweaks, um, but always keeping your eye on the long run. Um, fortunately for us, we always stuck to fundamentals is this a solid business? Did their prior financing make sense? We're valuation sensitive. And I had heard VCs say last year, we're not valuation sensitive. And I don't get that personally, because I don't know what you think you're buying, but it's like, the finance has to make sense from the end, you know, end game to today. Is it a, a business that actually has an ROI for the customer? So I think there's more spotlight on that, on those fundamentals. Are we saving costs for the customer, growing their revenue? Um, what don't we need to invest in? Um, so th I think it's just back to basics. There definitely are companies that are getting lost in the middle. Um, they didn't raise enough or they're between rounds or their revenue didn't quite get to the next round and they're gonna have trouble raising great companies, great products. So we'll see you know, some, some dynamics there. Um, but, you know, as I said, we were pretty lucky in terms of our portfolio. Many of them have gone on to raise additional capital um, quite easily to see them through and get to their next level. So. The first sort of wave of, of the, the, the pandemic uh, kind of hit, but we saw a lot of investors look to their own existing portfolio companies and doubling yep. down, making sure that their, their, their 
okay for the foreseeable. Have you made any new investments? Um, and, and, and if so, what was it? Uh, you mentioned about some of the, the fundamentals of businesses, but what was it about these specific companies made you invest sort of like now? Yeah, we've, we've made several. Um, give you an example. One is a company called CERN AI out of New York. It's a, a product within you know, a lot of AI machine learning and it's building blocks. And they've, they were helping investment banks, asset management firms make investment decisions. Um, we invested in them because they were on the right trajectory. They had very strong customer references. They had a good investor syndicate, which for us is very important. Um, who you're investing with and who the CEO and the management team are, are really critical. And they were cost efficient. They had a reasonable like projection model, reasonable burn rate, um, and, the, and the team were hustlers. Um, so we invested in them, I want to say June timeframe, you know, after a long kind of discussion. Um, and that's an example of a company that pretty soon after the pandemic, pandemic, they found new opportunities um, for risk management <laughs> where their customers were coming to them and, and saying, we got to watch you know, the risk management. So companies that really basically had found product market fit, um, especially during COVID had shown that it didn't affect them as much as one would think, or they were actually growing revenue. Um, another one we invested in kind of in the life sciences side is called Siren Care. And so, you know, solving a real problem uh, with neurofabrics and socks, telemonitoring um, applications for, you know, podiatrists and doctors monitoring their patients um, to prevent diabetic foot ulcers. So that's a massive market. Um, they got Medicare reimbursement codes, which is a pot of gold in the U.S., a really critical milestone of growth for, for certain companies. And so solid management team, solid technology, uh, strong customer demand, good really great investor syndicate. Um, so yeah, we've, we've found really um, fantastic opportunities uh, in the last few months. And the deal terms changed overall in the industry, although they're starting to go back to the old. We're starting to see valuations go up into hard to justify realms once again. I don't expect that to hold personally, but we'll see what happens. How, how did you find, let's say, the, the first opportunity, the AI company from New York? Was this through product network that you're part of? Did they cold email you or is it through LinkedIn? Or yeah. That's a good, where did they come from? But most of our deals come from, quite honestly, even though we look at 4,000 opportunities a year, meet in person or on Zoom with 400, deals we actually invest in, the majority come from our partners, um, products account, other VCs. We co-invest with other VCs and they see the value we're bringing, especially with the products account story. And the CEO sees that and wants us on the cap table for the value add. Um, CERN, I think one of our partners saw them at an event. And then one of our LPs, and who's like a fund to fund LP, had also been looking at them. So we were able to compare notes. Um, and then when we were still in early discussions, they attended a products account executive seminar in New York. And their eyes went wide open when they saw some of their target client lists at the event. Um, and so that really accelerated the investment opportunity for us. What, what do the, the companies that you invest in or, or, you know, the best companies that, I guess, pitch to you over Zoom or in person in the, in, in the good old days, uh, uh, um, what, what, what do the best ones do that really gets your attention? Yeah, and it's, it's hard to do, obviously. Um, we actually have on our website 
um, somewhere the profile of a great deal. And so that shows the key things we're looking for in your 12 to 15 slide pitch that could get you to the next meeting and to a due diligence. Um, we're looking for a unique team that's excited to solve a big and hard problem. They've come up with a differentiated solution and are getting solid traction, which they can monetize fairly. So proving out the business model. Uh, the financials look promising, but they do need funding to get you know, to the next level. Um, they show that they have a credible plan ultimately to generate outsized returns to investors. Because at the end of the day, it is evaluating the financial opportunity and how that fits within our portfolio for our goals to return capital to our limited partners um, and, and meet the risk return, you know, <laughs> minimize risk as much as possible for an outsized return. So if you can tell a story that ticks those boxes or looks like it might tick those boxes, you're much more likely to get the next meeting. Um, what we're not looking for are deep dives into the product. I mean, we want, we want to understand what the product is solving and that it's generating a benefit to the customer. But we don't need to know all the bells and whiffs. All the, you know, we usually don't want to even see a demo unless it's something very easy to hold up and show. Yeah. It, it's important that the, the startup, uh, the founders are a good match with the, the, the VC firm that they're asking for funding for and that they're going to work with, right? Um, what advice do you have really for, for founders to try and find that good match uh, so that they're not doing, you know, kind of a spray and pray or reaching out to investors which may, you know, not make total sense uh, for them? Um, what advice could you give? Yeah, and I, I suppose it's like any business development or sales process, like have a target list that you think might be a match. Is it a VC that invests in your stage, in your sector? <laughs> um, first of all, uh, you know, if you're trying to raise money for, um, I don't know, consumer good product and you're pitching a social impact fund that invests in life stage, that, that's a waste of your time and a waste of their time. Um, so definitely look for that fit. Uh, network is hugely important. I know it's challenging to get these meetings. Warm intros from other CEOs carry a lot of weight, portfolio CEOs, warm intros from other investors. We often help our portfolio company meet their next investor or co-investors. Um, it's really important um, going to these events, accelerators. If you're really new, accelerators can be a good launching pad, not just to how do you do this, but opening up your network um, can do it. Uh, but also when you're looking for fit, I advise a lot of entrepreneurs to Put aside that mindset of I just want their money, I want their check. So you're you're gonna have a relationship with them for a long time. And you should ask and look for more than just the check. You should look for the value add they can bring in terms of helping you get new customers, get that next senior level executive, get you your next round of funding, and ultimately help you get to some kind of exit, whether it's an IPO or or an acquisition. So definitely look for the value add. Um, there's also the personal, you know, can you get along with this person to an extent? You don't have to even necessarily like them, but can you have a good professional relationship, a good open, transparent communication line? Because um, there, there is a lot to be said for that so that you can work through the, the tough times. Great advice. And as we come to the end of the show, uh, coming back to you, um, how do you, we always ask, I guess, how, how they stay healthy and sane. How, you know, how do you stay healthy and sane? It's been, I tell you, it has been harder um, than ever because we're in, I used, I used to like days I worked at home. Now I, 
<laughs> it's really difficult. I have kids. I have a husband who's a CEO himself of a SaaS company. We've got a kitchen reno, a pet, a, a construction next door. It is it is definitely hard. Um, what do I do? I And I don't have my regular exercise regime either because the gyms are closed. So uh, I find I eat a lot of dark chocolate. Um, <laughs> I do try to exercise in the garage. I installed a TRX uh, equipment. One of my favorite products ever, by the way, and and because it's so simple and so effective and so cheap. Um, I also try to do the daily calm on the call map. I don't have time to do the rest of it, to be quite honest, but if I can find 10 minutes to do the daily calm, it's a boost of energy when I'm going from Zoom to Zoom to Zoom. I hear you and I think everybody hears you on, on all of those points. Uh, I, I try to get in some consistency with the with the meditation on the, on the calm app, but um, I'm, I'm pretty poor at it as well. And, and I think with the working from home, again, I always used to love, because I'd work from home two days a week normally and you know commute into London three days a week now it's obviously five days you know at home it's yeah. a little monotonous and uh, what actually uh, recently one of the, uh, the the challenges from working home hasn't been the kids but on either side of my my house there's construction going on so exactly. I'm hearing the, the drilling and the build, buildings vibrate and I might be doing a podcast and you know there's noisy construction. <laughs> so they don't tell me about these things but um, it's a it, it, it's real uh, yeah, that makes you feel even more claustrophobic a little bit. Yeah. I, I was sitting here once on a, a meeting and yeah, they tore a house down next door and then they took the trees down. So I'm on the call and the tree goes down and boom, and it's like everything starts shaking. And in my head, I'm thinking, I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, look, Jennifer, it's been great speaking to you. Um, uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks uh, for sharing so much um, uh, with the SASDOC community. Jennifer Fancini, General Partner at Mighty Capital. Thank you. I, I enjoyed it and uh, hope you all have a great fall and end the year on positive notes. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SAS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world.